You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 350 of Podcateers. You know, I've been excited to talk about this for a really long time, and due to circumstances this week, we figured it might be the time to finally dive into this. The topic, the Society of Explorers and Adventurers, or simply put, the SEA. Now, as we were recording this episode, we kind of realized that the story that we wanted to tell wasn't going to fit in one episode. So this is now going to be a multi-part series. So they're all going to run back to back. So you won't have to wait too long for the next episode. But man, I love this topic. There's so much to cover. And in this episode, we give you the origins of the society as we begin to dive into the members. And in upcoming episodes, we'll be sharing some trivia, inspiration for the characters, and more. So uh, we hope that you like this because I know that we've had a lot of fun learning about the SEA. And uh, if you have any thoughts on anything that we talk about in this episode, you just have stuff that you want to share, you can join the conversation over on Discord. You can check out the blog post for this episode at podcateers.com slash 350 for the invite link. Uh, you can also connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just search for Podcateers. Uh, also, I want to mention that our podcast official charity team at Team Boat Willie will be participating in the first ever virtual chalk walk to raise money for the Children's Hospital of Orange County. Uh, this is a yearly tradition for us. We've been doing this for almost two decades at this point. Uh, we love what Chalk does. You know, they've uh, we've been a huge supporter of theirs for a really long time. And uh, sadly, we weren't able to walk in the park last year. The, the walk is virtual, but we're still going to raise money. We're still going to help the kids. More information is going to be coming soon because we're preparing some auction items that were that were very generously gifted to us. So if you're not following us yet, make sure to follow us on Instagram for information on when these items will go up for auction. And for more information on this event and others that we'll be participating in, you can visit us at teamboatwilly.com. Super simple to remember. It's like Steamboat Willie, but without the S. Uh, before the episode starts, we want to take a quick moment to thank a very special group of people known as the FGP Squad, aka our podcast fairy godparents, because it's their monthly support via Patreon that help make these episodes of Podcateers possible. Being a part of the FGP Squad family gets you some additional perks like exclusive discount codes for Podcateers gear, additional content, and access to our monthly happy hour calls. If you would like more information on how you can become part of the FGP Squad family, we invite you to check out podcateers.com FGP. And as always, a super special thank you goes out to the FGP Squad for their continued support. So let's kick this off, shall we? Uh, we appreciate you. We appreciate you listening. Thanks for hanging out with us. Here is episode 350 of Podcateers. Hey, I dig your background today. Thank you. I Digging figure... the tomorrow. Oh, I almost said Tomorrowland. Oh wow! <laughs> Shows you how tired I am. <laughs> I'm I'm looking at the Enchanted Tiki Room and the big old Adventureland sign behind you, and I still <laughs> almost said Tomorrowland. Ah, good night. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> Bye. <laughs> uh, and always remember to pass on the magic. Bye, everybody. Uh, the yeah. end. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, yeah, it's been a it, I, it, it's been a tiring day. Uh, I've had a lot on my plate today, and uh, I I can't believe I had to bring so much today. Like it just yeah. feels like it's going to explode. But mm-hmm. you know what? It's all good. Um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get through this, uh, record the episode, and I'm gonna go to sleep after hopefully. And yeah, and, I'm hoping. And life will be dandy. <laughs> life will be dandy. <laughs> How's it going? Good, good, good. Yeah, I've joined the vaccination club. And I got my Yay. first dose. Yay! Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah. How are you feeling? I'm I'm good. I think I'm just overall just tired, but I feel fine. My arm's sore, but it's not tetanus shot. I thought it was, but no, it's subsided, so it's okay. Yeah. Um, I was just a little anxious because I had to drive out and I haven't traveled, so this was like. <laughs> oh yeah it's been a while since you've been yeah. out of the house, huh yeah and to Ooh, go somewhere what? that isn't like <laughs> the market the, the market <laughs> <laughs> so yeah exactly so it was a it was a little you know anxious in the beginning of the day knowing i had to travel but it's all worth it it is all worth it knowing yeah. it's just a little bit safer space like yes okay cool yeah i mean i'm i'm with you i think the biggest I mean, we've talked about this, so I know that you understand this, but I think the biggest Mm -hmm. misconception that people don't seem to immediately click with is that it's like if you're taking either Moderna or Pfizer, you have two doses, right? Right. And from the studies, it sounds like you don't get, you know, the percentage of immunity that they're promising, like up to the 95% until almost four weeks after your second one. So if you're taking the first one, you know, several weeks later, you're taking the second one. Mm-hmm. It's not until a month later that you can, like, truly, truly feel a little safer, right? Right. And uh, I think people forget that. Like, I've seen a lot of people are like, I got my vaccine today. Party. I'm like, no. what are you doing? You are not <laughs> <No>. protected. <laughs> yeah, but, I no. mean, you know, to each their own, to each their own. But I'm so glad that you got it. Me too. You know, all the conversations that we've had about leaving the house how good was that though just just driving just knowing like hey the world is still here like it, it looks a right? little different but it's still there <laughs> there's mountains outside what <laughs> did you drive by it, disneyland no you know oh, what i'm gonna be honest i haven't driven down harbor because it's been so quiet that it's just mm, no i'll go the yeah, other way around yeah yeah i'll travel around it and stuff but um yeah it's kind of weird when you have to drive down there but um no i had to i had to go out of anaheim so i got to see more of california oh that's good yeah (laughs) yeah yeah it's weird because you know i've gone out to the store you know grocery shopping and stuff as well but Mm -hmm. i've also had a lot of doctor appointments and so i've been going out for those and i just i I don't know like People have told me, like, oh, yeah, you're not going out to do whatever, but you're going out for those things. It's like, it's not the same. Like, you're you're constantly trying to protect yourself, and you're trying to stay away from people that are using chin straps and everything. And 
it's not fun. Like I, <laughs> like I feel just like I just want to order pizza and just watch TV. You know, I'll be fine. Yeah, you know, pretty much. <laughs> or the times that I've been able to take the kids out to the park. You know, there's a few parks around here that are pretty isolated and they're pretty empty okay. or they're big enough where you can be pretty far away from other people. So I've taken them out just to get them to stretch their legs and run around and, you know, be kids, basically. Yeah. And uh, that's been great. Like the times that we've been able to go out, uh, if we're, you know, too, too close to other people, they'll wear their mask. But if there's nobody around, you know, they'll run around maskless and everything and uh th- we've actually we've only been able to do that once now that i think about it the other times that we've gone out we've always had to wear masks but ah so glad you got it uh we're moving forward and <laughs> the more the more people that get it the faster we're going to get out of this and the more mm-hmm. that people pay attention and follow the rules the faster all of us will be able to get back to normal i mean were we ever really normal I think no. it was just <laughs> what we got used to, but weren't we right. ever really normal? I mean, come on, yeah, let's face no. it. I'm not if normal. You, <laughs> if you ask people on TikTok, apparently we're living in another dimension. Okay, <laughs> apparently the world ended years ago, and now we're living in like a simulation at this point. So, who knows? Who hey. knows? <laughs> who am I to judge? Hey. Uh, <laughs> so. I, I I think if you saw the title card for this episode, you know that we're going to be talking about the society of mm-hmm. explorers and adventurers, uh, which we'll get to in a little bit. But uh, before we jump into that, I got to ask you, did What's you that? watch Myth on Disney Plus? Yes. Oh, twice. What did you think about it? I had to watch it again because there's so many thoughts in this. Um, oh, I kind of kind of wish Gavin was here because oh my gosh just I was watching it and I'm just thinking the beauty and what the inspiration and everything that 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 they just put together and married and it's just it's just like a symphony it's just like a symphony of animation colors music but it's done so well I I had to watch it again like it's just it was beautiful and the first thing I kind of saw was um, I saw a lot of inspiration from the 2D, the classics. Um, oh, geez. Just, it's just beautiful. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's all I could say. It's just, it's just beautiful. Artistically simple and just gorgeous, but the color palette, oh, purples and blues and grays, and just, it's just beautiful. The music, can I get, is, I don't even know if that's on Spotify because I loved it. I know. I've been, <laughs> uh, I haven't bothered looking for it yet, but mm-hmm. uh, man, I, I know what you mean. Like, it's just such a perfect marriage of so many disciplines that I, I can understand. Like, when you're watching it, you kind of feel like you're watching a segment from Fantasia or Fantasia yeah. 2000. You know, it's just beautifully built. But like you were saying, the thinking about some of the historical references, you know, you have that Ivan Earl style mm-hmm. painted in the background, but then there was all these like Mary Blair like elements to yes. what they were animating <laughs> and they mixed them so well together. Yeah. That it, it just looks like it was, I'm, um, I, I can't 
even continue because it's just so good. My biggest regret, I think I posted this when we posted it on Instagram, but uh, I, I had mentioned that what I lament the most is not having the ability to watch it in VR because this is actually Disney's second foray, second, I, I think, full foray into VR. Cycles was the first one. Right. Uh-huh. And... Uh, I think they learned a lot from Cycles. And Cycles, even in 2D, was just a fantastic story yeah. in itself. So having the opportunity to watch this with the Oculus VR and being a part of like this frozen world you know, of, uh, of Arendelle, I just can't imagine what it would have been like. Like if right. I don't think that's enough to convince my wife to let me buy all that stuff. And then the other <laughs> thing is just obtaining a version that I can watch using the Oculus VR. But uh, the first chance I get to watch it in VR, I I don't know how I'm going to feel. Right. I don't it's know how just, I'm gonna feel. Uh, just to be able to step into that world and see everything that I think that's why I watched it twice is because it took me away. Yeah, I. I watched it on my computer and I turned off the lights. I was like, it's going to be a mini like movie time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. It's a treat. <laughs> I don't blame you at all. They, I just, uh, I, I, bravo, bravo to the team that put this together. I mm-hmm. just, we need more of that stuff. It was yeah. fantastic. So, and even if you're not a fan of the frozen franchise, like, it there's no Elsa, you no. know. There's no Olaf or Anna. Um, like the entire thing uh, is basically held in the woods, and the entire story revolves around Bruni, which is the little salamander that that's in Frozen Two that runs around with the fire with Elsa and everything. Mm-hmm. And they're basically telling the story of the elementals. You know, yeah. and how they all kind of came to be. And it's just like in general, it's just a great mythological tale. You know, if anything, that's what you should appreciate it as. But on mm-hmm. top of that, just the artwork, the execution, the music and how it's all coming together. It's an absolutely gorgeous piece. Uh, right. That, you know, <laughs> yeah, it, it's a clinic in movie making. So definitely recommend it. Check it out. It's on Disney Plus now. And if any of you have had the opportunity to see it using an Oculus VR, let me know what it's like. Yeah. I, I'm all over <laughs> this. I want to see it uh, as soon as we're all able to safely get together. Let's go figure out how we can do this. I think at Walt Disney World they may have had it. Or was that just Cycles? Huh. I think it was just Cycles, I believe. I'll I have I could to research wrong. it. I, I, yeah. I feel like they would have done the same thing for this one at some point, but I could be wrong. You may be right. It may have just been Cycles. Uh, either way, I love it. So mm-hmm. uh, anyway, before we continue, this episode of Pocketeers is brought to you by a fantastic group of people known as the FGP Squad. And who are the FGP Squad? They're a group of listeners just like you that uh, help us out with a monthly contribution via Patreon. Uh, Being a part of the FGP Squad family gets you some additional perks like discounts on Podcateers gear, which is like our clothing line, uh, some of our home stuff. You get the monthly happy hour call with us. You get 
uh, all sorts of stuff, additional content and everything. It's all on Patreon. Uh, you also get access to our Discord server. There's an exclusive FGP section. Uh, if you're not part of the Discord server, make sure that you head over to the blog post for this episode or podcasters.com. You'll find the invite link there so you can join us. And yeah, I mean, uh, to all the members of the FGP squad, we just want to send a huge thank you for their continued support because they help make these episodes of Podcasters possible, and we truly appreciate it. So, uh, so I, I wanted to make sure that I said that now because I know that once I kind of start selling the story that we're about to get into, my brain's just gonna like I, yeah. it's just it's just gonna go right. You're right. The the story that we're about to get into. I mean, we've talked about rabbit holes in the past and uh-huh. jumping into certain things. This is probably one of the most entangled stories that's just so worth it in the end that Disney yeah, has. Pretty much. I was I was mentioning uh earlier um how this felt like a Looney Tunes cartoon because mm-hmm. I, you would get so close to the treasure. You know, get that treasure only to open up the box and be like, "Just kidding. Keep going." You just found another clue and you're like, no, I just, I, there's so much in this that it's just so rich with information and plugging everything in. Ooh, wild is right in the wilderness. Seriously. I know, which ironically is a part of the story. Exactly why I brought it up. So here's the deal. Uh, I really wanted to put together like one big episode where we talked about the SEA uh, and the problem is that like Mel said, there's just so much information to consume and to, I, I feel like to do it justice, we, we have to try to include as many details as possible. Mm-hmm. So the story that we're about to tell is actually going to span over you know, multiple episodes. Uh, you're not going to have to wait a month or anything like, like we have <laughs> in the past. We're recording all of this, and then it's just going to be split up, and then you're going to just get the chunks and pieces, you know, over the course of a few weeks. Uh, that is hopefully going to allow us to also prepare for March Mayhem, uh-huh. which we've been planning. Sadly, we were running a little behind, and I don't think it's going to launch the first week of March like I originally wanted to. I think it's going to launch the second week, and if that's the case, well, then it's okay. I mean... It's fine. You know, it's fine. You know, it's all for funds, as they say. Right. <laughs> so I'm just going to leave it at that. But we're going to get this story started, so just know that this is going to span over a few episodes, and uh, just I hope that you enjoy the story and learning about the society as much as I have because I knew a lot about it in the past Uh, Mm -hmm. I didn't consider myself an expert obviously but uh, I've I mean I've been fascinated with the SCA for a really long time yeah I've talked about it a lot in the past and I'll I'll talk about that in a bit but uh, are you ready you know what Let's just go. <laughs> I mean, as ready as we're going to be, right? Let's just... Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. 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 So here we go. This is where we would need some, like, like intense, like, heroic or... Oh, can I just... <laughs> look, sidebar, before we get started. Hmm. You know, WandaVision is going to be ending soon. 
And I know. <laughs> I look. I I'm so excited for WandaVision. I I, I don't want to like veer too far into it because I know we're going to be talking about that once it's over. Uh, I I want to have this conversation with Jason that we've been meaning to have, but I feel like whenever we have episodes like this. Like, we need some kind of fanfare, like the Marvel fanfare. Because every time <laughs> I hear the Marvel fanfare, it never gets old. Like, I hear it, and I'm like, yeah, let's go out. I'll be a superhero. Let's do this. Right? right. And now, to level that up, my kids, like, sing along with the fanfare whenever we're watching stuff like that. And so nice. uh, they hadn't watched WandaVision with us. I was watching it with, with Lynette. And... Mm-hmm. This weekend, I decided to binge all of the the episodes that were available so far uh, with my boys. And just every episode that came on, they're like... Nice. I'm like, I'm so proud. Aww. I'm so proud. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway... I think we need like a fanfare for stuff like this. That's what I was trying to get to. But anyway, yeah. time to get the story started. So, um, so why are we bringing this up now? Uh, like I said, I've been wanting to talk about uh, this society for a really long time. But what ended up happening was that, you know, this announcement came out that I feel many of us have been just like chomping at the bit to hear for a really long time. But, I mean, seemingly everyone on the internet was posting about it. And that was the announcement that a series was coming to Disney Plus based on the characters of the SEA, otherwise known as the Society of Explorers and Adventurers. Uh, Now, before we we get too far into this, uh, I do want to be clear that although it's likely that the series is actually in development... Uh, as a matter of fact, this could have been Disney's way to leak the information just to kind of mm-hmm. get a gauge on whether or not people were going to be interested in something like this. Um, keep in mind that this announcement was made by, you know, uh, um, um, uh, like the Hollywood Reporter, I think. But Disney has yet to confirm if this project is actually happening. There was no post on the Disney Plus accounts, nothing, you know, on the Disney, nothing. Disney has not said a word about this thing. But, man, do I hope it's happening. Yeah. Seriously, there is a market for for it. Seriously, like, it's adventure. It's, yes. Yeah. You know, whether the news is real or not, Mm -hmm. something like this makes sense. Right. Because as Disney continues to expand like the MCU and the Star Wars universes on Disney Plus, I can see why they would want to make a move to bring this property to their streaming service because it gives like park enthusiasts another way to connect. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, if you're not familiar with the SEA, don't worry. We're going to tell you about it, you know, in this episode and over the course of however episode however many episodes we need to get the story told. Um, But, you know, series like The Mandalorian and WandaVision have just stepped up Disney's streaming game. But the truth is that not everybody likes those properties, you know, regardless of how good they are. Not everybody likes those things. So to bring in content like this to continue the growth of Disney Plus 
especially if it's something that's tied into the parks, is a clear right. winner as long as it's a, as engaging as things like The Mandalorian and WandaVision. All right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of hoping that the like everything that's planned or everything that announced or that was announced isn't canceled because, uh, like I said, the Hollywood Reporter had broken the story and they stated that Ron Moore, the creator of For All Mankind, which is an Apple TV Plus exclusive and creator of Outlander and Battlestar Galactica, is going to be the one that's going to helm the new series. And Ron Moore, I mean, I know you guys are Battlestar Galactica fans, and Ron Moore is no stranger at creating engaging content, right? Like, those franchises have done really, really well. So Mm -hmm. if this is true, this has huge potential of being one of the most watched things on Disney+. Plus. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And it's not even limited to whatever they come up with because... There's so many attractions. There's, I mean, oh man. Again, that's okay. That's right there is gonna be the little web we're gonna untangle and try to show where everything goes because right there, all the different attractions and everything just connections. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if you've been listening to our podcast for a while. I've been I've been pretty transparent about my love for like mysterious things. You know, growing up, I read a lot of mystery books. I loved Encyclopedia Brown, Sherlock Holmes. Uh, I watched a lot of like mystery movies and TV shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I love reading about mysterious places and objects around the world. You know, like Stonehenge and Easter Island, secret societies. Uh, this is this is why, like, after it launched, I wouldn't shut up about Gravity Falls, you know, because for <laughs> something that was supposed to be a children's cartoon, it was just so intelligently written, and it tied a lot of those things together for me, you know? So yeah, it, it did. was like a perfect match. Um, the SCA brings a lot of those elements from the Disney parks and beyond into this universe that Imagineers have created. And like we said a moment ago, the wonderful thing about it is that it's not limited to one park or one attraction. It's all around the world and it's growing. Yeah. You know, oh that's, my gosh. that's yeah. the most impressive part. Uh, I have to ask you, do you call it, I mean, the official name is obviously the Society of Explorers and Adventurers, but do you call it SEA or C? I'd rather say SEA as abbreviations. Yeah. Yeah, I I do too, because it it feels Mm -hmm. like the acronym is more appropriate, right? Yeah. Like, I've heard a lot of people refer to it as C, and I don't think there's a right way to say it. I mean, obviously, if Imagineers are like, nope, it's S-E-A. Yeah, right, unless someone tells us. (laughs) Right. I mean, obviously, that's the way that you're going to know whether you're correct or not. But I feel that because even, like, the crest and the emblem are the clear letters, like, it feels like I should say the letters. Anyway, that's right. how I'm going to well, say it from now on. Yeah. We say DCA. Yeah, that's true. So, tomato, tomato, right? Yeah. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. All right. So I, I'm going to keep saying SEA. I just, I didn't know what to call it because I didn't want people, I, obviously it's more rooted, or at least for a long time it was much more rooted in 
uh, on the East Coast. And so obviously a lot of people there got a lot more exposure than we did. And so they probably say C. But there's Maybe. also the tie-in, which we'll talk about. All right, let's just get into the story and you'll understand why there's so much confusion. <laughs> so um, another thing I kept thinking about while I was preparing for this episode is that if you think about it, there's a lot of different ways that you can jump into the story of the SEA. Because if you've never heard of it before, the simple act of being curious about details that Imagineers have laid out for you will play a huge role in, into your introduction to the society, mainly because there's clues like everywhere, right? Like mm -hmm. they're, they're in more places than you probably may have realized. And yes, this this secret, not so secret society has kind of been under our noses for a super long time at this point. You know, Imagineers have this like really beautiful way of telling stories visually. And when most people go to theme parks, they connect with the visuals of the attractions, the lands, the restaurants, you know, everything around you. And within those things and within that theming, they hide additional Easter eggs. Sometimes they're homages to themselves, their colleagues, or Imagineers that paved the way for them. But these Easter eggs are normally obscure enough that they blend in with the surroundings in such a way that it just seems like standard theming. Like you wouldn't know if it's an Easter egg unless somebody told you that it was an right. Easter egg or if you know something about it and why it's an Easter egg. Right. Correct. <laughs> and that in itself, I think, is one of the biggest parts of the secret formula that just makes Imagineering what it is. You know, because from land to land, they want you to be immersed in these worlds that they've created for you. But what happens when those worlds become a universe? This is exactly what the SEA does for Disney parks and all of the associated attractions around the world. That's why it's so exciting for me, because you're now part of this larger universe yep. in our world. So, um, you know, once compiled, the and if we're using today's date or today's year, we're recording this in 2021, um, the story of the SEA spans about six centuries, you know, so yep, it's it it, there's a lot to consume. Obviously, there's a lot of, you know, time jumps, but I will warn you that there's some plot holes, you know, in the yes. story <laughs> and there's plot holes in the lands and the attractions and just kind of the story in general to the point where a lot of things have been retconned several times to help make things make sense, which in turn allows them to continue expanding the world created for the SEA story. So if, you know, 20 years ago, you went and you wrote on this attraction and you remember the story being this and this. And you recently went back five years ago and now they said this and this. It's probably because it was retconned to somehow fit within the story that's being told. And uh, throughout the series, we're going to mention some of those things and you'll understand 
why they they were changed. Uh, also, keep in mind that there's kind of two timelines. You know, I talked about this one going back about six centuries. So there's the SEA timeline, but there's also like our real world timeline, right? When attractions were built and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So sadly, I don't have aspect ratio bars that come down and scroll up from the bottom like they do on WandaVision to distinguish between her made up world and the real world. So I'm just going to do my best to kind of describe which timeline we're currently talking on if it's somehow unclear. But yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. You got this. Yeah. We got this. So it's so hard to figure out where to where to start, but I I figured that the best place to start this story is back in the 70s, like real world. Because, you know, there's tons of Imagineers around the world that go uncredited for the work that they do on these projects. So uh, shout out to all of those theme park heroes, because without you, we wouldn't have these attractions and your hard work you know, gives us the ability to escape from the real world. So thank you so much for your hard work. Uh, But for a long time, uh, unless you knew somebody that knows somebody that can connect you with someone that knows somebody's aunt whose neighbor works with a guy that delivers the package to a building in Burbank that talks to these people that make all these cool theme park things, you never really knew who worked on these projects. And over time, that kind of changed. You know, certain Imagineers Mm -hmm. became ambassadors for the brand. Projects gained more visibility. Things like D23 came into existence or Destination D. So this helped broaden the scope. Fan sites, books, and social media, obviously the biggest game changer, gave us this opportunity to peek backstage, allowing us to connect with more of these mythical beings known as Imagineers. But... Again, even even though there was a bunch of Imagineers that weren't recognized, there were those Imagineers that became ambassadors for the brand. One of those esteemed Imagineers was a fellow by the name of Tony Baxter, codename The Stash. Mm-hmm. Now, over the years, Tony was involved in creating iconic attractions, including Splash Mountain, Big Thunder, uh, just to name a couple. But uh, I think it was one of Tony's ideas that never actually came to fruition that really planted the seed for what would end up becoming the SEA as we know it today. Because in the 70s, while he was designing and building Big Thunder Mountain, Tony designed a new area for Disneyland called Discovery Bay which was this like steampunk inspired Jules Verne type land that had this story that revolved around a character named Jason Chandler. Now Chandler was an inventor and uh, he was around like during the boom era of the gold rush and his story was meant to tie Discovery Bay to Big Thunder Mountain. Now, the bad part is that Discovery Bay was never built. So Chandler's story was just kind of put on the back burner and everybody went on to other projects, right? Right. Fast forward to 1989. There was an area called Pleasure Island that opened at downtown Disney in Florida. 
This area was said to have been started by an adventurer known as Meriwether Pleasure. The area itself was a collection of like restaurants and retail stores. And if you like the club scene, whoo boy, this may have been the place for you because it was a booming club scene. The system is down. Anybody that got that reference, like we're friends instantly. Uh, so the standout of Pleasure Island uh, was this location called the Adventurers Club. And the story of the Adventurers Club was that it was set in 1937. And the building itself was full of artifacts from around the world with photographs from different excursions that different explorers went on. And there was a bunch of characters that interacted with guests and kind of in their own right, they were kind of their own society of explorers, right? Because right. they were they just kind of talked about the adventures that they went on. They were this comedic troupe that, you know, entertained their their guests, or as they somehow sometimes called them, the drunks that appeared. <laughs> um, but there was this one character that uh, really stood out to me. And she rarely made appearances, but it was a woman by the name of Madame Zarkov. Madame Zarkov, I'll just bank that name for now. We'll come back to it later. Uh, so the Adventures Club uh, is also where the term Kungalush originated. You may have heard, you know, skippers on the Jungle Cruise say it. You may have heard uh, people say it around the Skipper's Canteen, which we'll get into momentarily. Uh, but it was not only the signature drink of the club, it was also their official greeting. Mm -hmm. And um, in July of 1994, uh, a new attraction opened at Disney MGM Studios, now known as Disney's Hollywood Studios, that would basically become one of Disney's most beloved attractions. Do you know what that attraction is? It's not Small World. Nope. Nope. The Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. <laughs> the attraction itself isn't directly associated with the SEA, but it does indirectly play a major role in further establishing the story. Because in 2001, Tokyo Disney Sea opened its gates, and one of the major areas of that new park, called Explorer's Landing on Mediterranean Harbor, housed a new walkthrough attraction called Fortress Explorations. Fortress Explorations was now the official headquarters of the Society of Explorers and Adventurers. And according to the newly established story, the society was founded in 1538 in Porto Paradiso in Italy by historical figures of the Renaissance and Golden Age of Exploration, such as Leonardo da Vinci, Marco Polo, and Ferdinand Magellan. Now, as you entered Fortress Explorations, you were met with the crest of the society, which reads, should I read this in like an old-timey, like, like voice? Just be like, we, the SEA, are dedicated yeah. to the gathering of <laughs> newfound knowledge so that you may share in our endeavors. We have created Fortress Explorations within this citadel in 
On its way front, you can witness firsthand the progression of our explorations and research. Our quest is never-ending, and it is the hope that you will return here often to embark on your own explorations of adventure, romance, discovery, and innovation. Now, each of those things listed at the end of their charter are represented on the crest of the SEA. And uh, as they put it, the concepts that they deemed most worthy. So uh, on their crest is a galleon that represents adventure, the mm-hmm. uh, armillary sphere, which represents romance, the compass, which represents discovery, and a set of artist tools representing innovation. Their motto, Exploratorio Continua, Continuous Exploration. The Society of Explorers and Adventurers was officially cemented into Disney canon when Disney Sea opened its gates. And if the fortress explorations wasn't enough, there were inklings of the society planted throughout the new park, with one of the biggest coming several years later. Remember when I brought up Tower of Terror a little bit ago? Uh-huh. To this day, I, I really honestly feel that Tower of Terror remains an imagineering marvel. You know, to have that type of technology at your disposal, you obviously want to build on it. You know, you want to replicate those mechanics. You want to make it better. And that's exactly what Disney did. Mm, Correct, yeah. The Twilight Zone Tower of Terror would go on to become a staple of several other Disney parks. It opened at Disney's California Adventure in 2004. At Tokyo Disney Sea in 2006, and at Disneyland Paris's Companion Park, Walt Disney Studios Park in 2007. There was one problem with the Tokyo version, though. The majority of people, at least the ones that visited Tokyo Disney Sea frequently, had no idea what the Twilight Zone was. Ah. So Imagineering had to come up with a different storyline. You know, mm-hmm. and so they had to come up with a story, obviously, that would fit the same mechanics that they already had for the building that they had constructed. So, considering how so much of Disney Sea already included elements of the SEA, and by the way, this is why I don't like to call it Sea versus SEA because when you're talking about Disney Sea and talking about Sea, it sounds weird. But anyway, yep. um, <laughs> so considering that they already had like all these SEA elements. Why not theme the new attraction to something having to do with the SEA, right? Right. And that's exactly what they did. And the story of Hotel Hightower was born. Yep. So located at One Park Avenue in New York, the story of Hotel Hightower is kind of one of my favorites. Uh, there's, there's a few in there that I really, really like. And this is one of my favorites because it's so intricate, but... It's so easy to follow along, right? The story of the hotel, uh, it was originally built by a man named Harrison Hightower III uh, as a way for him to keep kind of all of these things that he collected while traveling around the world. Now, keep in mind that I just mentioned that upon the opening of Fortress Explorations, that was meant for the members of the SEA to kind of share things that they collected around the world. But... Harrison Hightower III, or Double H3, as I've occasionally called him, 
was kind of a hoarder. You know, like <laughs> yeah. he just kind of liked to keep everything for himself. And all of the antiques and the artifacts that he collected, he was stingy with them. You know, he, he was like he was basically the non-intergalactic version of Tanalir Tavon, the collector for Mission yes. Breakout, which yes. ironically is now what the old Tower of Terror is themed <laughs> at at DCA. So, you yep. know, full, full circle. circle moment. <laughs> I know. Right. And it brings in the Marvel Universe. So, boom, which, by the way. The SEA does bring in kind of the Marvel Universe, and I'll get into that later. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, so so Double H3, like, he wasn't a very honorable man, right? He was kind of a jerk. And, I mean, yeah. he didn't really care how he obtained things. Like, he did whatever he had to do in order to enhance his collection. Like, he was so ruthless, as a matter of fact, that he earned the nickname the Dragon of Park Palace. Okay. So, growing up, he had a rival by the name of Cornelius Endicott II, who he met at a, at a really, really young age. And, and so, growing up, he went on all these expeditions, you know, to, to make himself look better and to kind of, like, one-up, like, his rival and everything. And he would go on these expeditions where he would <clears throat> obtain, you know, things like Japanese samurai armor, uh, remember I talked about liking Easter Island uh, earlier? Mm -hmm. Apparently, yep. he stole one of the Moai statues from Easter Island at one point. Uh, I'm sorry, obtained. Um, obtained, yes. He <laughs> apparently traveled to Atlantis, you know, and he did stuff at Atlantis. Who knows what he took from there? Uh, and at one point, he even became fixated with hunting down the legendary creature known as the Yeti. So, of course, traveling around the world, steal I mean, um, you know, collecting artifacts, he needed somewhere to put all of this, you know, so he commissioned the construction of the of the Hotel Hightower. Uh, in 1899, he and his group, the Pillagers Brigade, were on an expedition in the Congo where they, you know, they had been taken care of really well by the Matundu tribe. And in order to repay them, he basically stole an idol of the deity Shiriki Utundu uh, when they refused to sell it to him. Naturally. Yeah. I mean, that's what you do, right? Mm -hmm. That's what you do. That's how you say thank you. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing was that when they stole the idol or when, when Harrison stole the idol, the Matundu tribe was like, eh, let him go. <laughs> Primarily because they knew that the idol was cursed. And so they just kind of <laughs> let it be. And they said, yeah, he'll get his. Don't worry. Yep. But Harrison Hightower <laughs> didn't care about that because he didn't believe in it. So he's like, whatever. I'm taking this. You're not going to follow me? Ha. Like, I won. Yeah. To him, he won. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So he takes it back. And he hosted a meeting with the other members of the SEA. And he's like, ha, look what I got. I got this idol and they respected me so much that they didn't even bother to follow me. And, you know, <laughs> his his valet, like Archibald Smeldling, who also went on these excursions with him at times. He's like, nah, man, that thing's cursed, yo. He's like, pshaw. <laughs> and so he's like, you know, I got this. I won, like you said, right? And so uh -huh. he's showing off this idol to the members of the SEA. 
And I assume being at your hotel with all of the members of this society that you're at would be a really great place for your entire society to take a photo that maybe one day could be displayed at other locations. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe. Anyway, on the afternoon of New Year's Eve, 1899, Hightower held this press conference, you know, primarily to brag about his latest expedition because the other members of the SEA were like, yeah, cool, yeah, you got it, whatever. But, I mean, he wanted the attention, you know. He really wanted to rub it in that he got this idol and that, you know, he got what he went for. And, uh, you know, it's funny because the Shiriki Utundu, literally means believe in misfortune uh-huh and so during the press conference there's this reporter that just like keeps badgering him you know he's like hey you know i've heard rumors that this idol is cursed and he kept asking and he kept asking and so this angered hightower and he's like you know get this guy out of my you know sight i don't want him here get out i don't want you here right. so he kicks him out right so after denying the claims, the reporter, whose name was Manifred Strang, uh, somehow finds a way to sneak back in. And, you know, he puts on this waiter outfit and he kind of sees uh, Hightower and Smelding off at a distance. And Smelding is telling him, sir, you know, be careful with the idol. You know, it, it's cursed. And again, Hightower is like, Pusha! He blows off the warning and then puts out his cigar on the idol's head. Okay? Talk Ooh. about respect. <laughs> so now, look. I'm going to steal a line from Michael Scott from The Office. I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. And it would have helped Hightower to be a little stitious in this moment as well. <laughs> okay? Because <Yes. laughs> as the clock struck midnight, his elevator reached his penthouse on the 13th floor, but the doors wouldn't open. Instead, at that moment, the lights went out in the entire hotel and a green light pulsated and emanated from the hotel as Hightower's screams of horror were heard coming from the elevator. Harrison Hightower III was never seen again. But people do report seeing a ghost-like figure that looks like him at the hotel, reaching out for an idol right before it zaps him and he falls again. Hmm. Now, Beatrice Rose Endicott, the daughter of his biggest rival, witnessed everything that happened on that New Year's Eve night from her attic window. But she also didn't believe in the idol's curse, so she's like, hmm, must have been a faulty elevator. And she just kind of let it go. Now, years passed after Hightower disappeared, and the hotel was just in shambles, right? And in 1908, Endicott decided to save the Hotel Hightower by deeming it a landmark of cultural property for the city of New York. So in 1912, the Endicott family ended up purchasing the land, but her father was like, whatever, I'm tearing down this piece of junk and building my own hotel. But that was a problem for, for, for Beatrice because she actually admired Hightower as the business rival of her own father. So she kind of admired him so much that she was willing to put everything on the line and go against her father 
establishing the New York City Preservation Society, obviously all behind her father's back, and to preserve the memory of Hightower and the hotel and the artifacts that he had collected throughout his travels by offering tours. And that is where the story picks up when you experience that attraction. And that <laughs> is where we're going to leave it for today. Man. I, <laughs> I know. There's so, so much. Good. It's, it's so much, but it's so good. It is so, so good. It's such a... There's just so many details that it's just like one little detail here connects to one detail over here. The story itself is just so good um <laughs> when we get to the other characters and you hear what they are who they are it's 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 fascinating to know that the imagineers like this is all one thing and God, I love it. <laughs> I know. I know. So I'm actually going to leave you with one more tidbit that I think is going to really help at least get you thinking about all of this. But, you know, when when the attractions were being added, you know, attractions are mm -hmm. constantly being uh, plussed up by Imagineering. Right. And because of the fact that they were looking for ways to kind of connect things together around that time. The Haunted Mansion at Walt Disney World had gone down for, you know, a little a bit of renovation and it was getting plussed up. Now, when the Hotel Hightower opened, there had been some changes made to the Haunted Mansion in Walt Disney World. And there was a portrait which included Constant Hatchaway's final husband, George Hightower, the brother of Harrison Hightower III. So, crazy so that you would think you know these are not connected but already already they are giving you a connection to another attraction in a mm -hmm. completely different park and it just happens so much i can't wait to continue the story and tell you more about it in the next episode so i think that's going to wrap it up for this one uh, I'm super excited to continue this. If you guys want to continue talking about this, join us over on Discord. We can continue talking about it there, and we can share some of the things that we've learned. Uh, but I I don't know exactly how many episodes I'm going to end up splicing this into, but I want to try to keep them you know, around the hour mark like we normally do. Um, if I thought it was going to be like an hour and a half total, I would have left it at that, but it's not. I mean, there's oh, just no. so much information to share. It's, I mean, we might be able to squeeze it into like three, maybe, yeah, yeah three or four. I don't know, but not an hour and a half. No, no way, not an hour and a half. Unless people want like a mega sode, like mega sode, four hours <laughs> long. I don't think people want that. <laughs> although, <laughs> although Gavin's uh, episode where we go over everything might be like that, though. And it's it'll be it's you cannot do one hour for right, him. Right. You cannot. No. Like there's so just no. so much to share. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that's going to wrap it up again. Join us over on Discord if you want to continue uh, discussing this with us. 
we're excited about this. We're I, I'm especially excited because I'm finally getting a chance to share this with everybody. And I'm learning so yeah. much, you know, because since I learned about it, there's been so many other aspects that have been added to parks and everything around the world. So anything else you want to add before we wrap up for today? I'm going to have adventure dreams. Just <laughs> right. Just thinking about this and stuff. Yeah, I'm excited. It's good stuff. Maybe yeah. Kungalush? I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It'll appear in my dreams. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I want to appear in my dreams. And then in real life, a freaking Dole Whip. Oh. A freaking Dole Whip. <laughs> that's what I need in my life right now. Anyway, that's going to wrap it up for this week. So until next time, keep dreaming, keep moving forward, and always remember to pass on the magic. Have a fantastic week, everyone. Bye.